Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Can I get a witness this morning? I said it's time for us to receive what God has said is ours. Some of us have been struggling through circumstances and situations for a long time. As I was reading the scripture, and I don't want to go into this sermon prematurely, but I just need to tell you that as I've been reading God's word, I, I've seen several men in the scriptures who have gone through so many trials and tribulations in their lives. And, and not only for a day, not only for a week, but for years, they struggled in their bodies. And for every one of them we find in scripture came the time when they said, you know, it's time. It's time. It's time I get my miracle. It's time I get my inheritance. It's time I get my peace, my joy back. And they began to stake a claim, not asking for the impossible, not asking for the unreasonable, but asking for what was right and what had been promised by the very mouth of God. How many have received promises of the Lord? Amen. How many received promises of the Lord? Amen. How many know it's time we get some of those promises? Amen. You've been going through the same circumstance. It seems to be a treadmill situation we're going through on a daily basis. For me, when it came to cirrhosis, it was five years of cirrhosis, and now a year and a half, almost seven years, believe it or not. It's been almost seven years now since I've gone through my circumstance and a year and a half since I've gone through my surgery. Matter of fact, I saw a brother yesterday as I was... We were out celebrating uh, one of my granddaughter's birthday. I saw him, and he said, Pastor, you and I share something in common. And I said, well, for sure he's going to say we share Christ in common. But he said, no, I also had liver surgery. I said, really? You're the first Martian I know. I said, you're the first guy that I know, really, that I can talk to about this. But he didn't get the same thing I did. He had a good portion of his liver removed because of an infection. And he, they left uh, a, a good 10, 15% of his liver in. But isn't it incredible how God created the liver? And this is not a, a class on anatomy. But uh, the liver is the only organ in our body that regenerates. So, uh, you know, a man can survive on 10% or a person can survive on 10% of their liver if it's excised and, and removed. And so he had about a good 70% taken down. I said, well, if you wait a couple of years, it's going to grow right back. And that has been statistically and medically proven. That's what it is. People who have partial liver trend, uh, 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 excisions, if you will, they, they'll grow it back. But for me, it was quite the, the different story. I, had, I needed a whole organ. But anyway, enough of that. We'll talk about that next week. And I believe you're going to be blessed with that message that we've entitled, It's Time. Is your life glorifying God? I want you to think about that just for a moment before you answer so quickly. Is your life glorifying God? If you are to look at your walk with the Lord, as you look at your spiritual walk on a daily basis, can you honestly show some introspection, look inside and say, yes, my life is glorifying God on a daily basis.
It would be to the church of Thessalonica that Paul would establish on his second missionary journey. And to them, he writes a portion of this letter that I'm going to read to you today. And from there, we're going to use as a platform to speak on this morning's subject. It would be Paul that established many churches, as you know, and to some of them he had very sharp words to speak to, simply because he found that times that he visited some of these churches that things were happening inside the church that were not right before the Lord. And so he was a very honest and straightforward man. He was a herald of truth. Uh, he, wasn't any, he wasn't anybody that you could ever accuse of sweetening things when it came to our walk with God. But he was a herald of truth. He, he knew that the souls of men who would listen to him depended on the words of life that he gave them. And so to many churches, he spoke sometimes in a brash way to correct things. But to this church, Thessalonica, he opens up with a word of praise. You know, it's my constant prayer, ladies and gentlemen, that when Jesus comforted his church, he would have words of praise for Rock of Ages. Amen? That if Jesus would walk into this place right now, that instead of opening his mouth to say, listen, you guys need to straighten up. You need to change this, you need to change that or the other. Instead, he would walk in and says, I have nothing but praises for you. I have seen how your lives have glorified my name. That is my prayer. I pray that every one of us would pray that prayer. But in order for that to happen, then we need to include ourselves because we are indeed a part of this church. He's not going to come and speak well about this venue. He's going to come and speak well or not about us. And so the question of the hour for us all today is, is your life glorifying God? I think the answer is simple. I don't think we have to ask anybody. I don't even think we have to go and have a Bible study to see if our lives are glorifying God. I think we know deep inside our conscience and our heart, if we are living accordingly and we are truly glorifying the name of the Lord. That goes for all of us, from this pulpit on, all the way to the back. It goes for all of us. We don't have to ask anybody. But we need to ask ourselves. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 is my first passage this morning and then we'll continue Ephesians 3 and 16 says I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being this is to the church of Ephesus not to the church of Thessalonians Strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And to know 
this love that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is one of Paul's prayers for the church. His desire that all of them would pay attention to their walk with God with the sole purpose of God looking at their lives and knowing that they were full of Him. That His glory was dwelling deep inside their hearts. That everything they were doing, they would do constantly knowing that the reason that we have been given the gift of life was not so that we could just so simply roam around this planet or this world, though that's a benefit of the Lord in itself, but above everything we pursue and everything we do in this world, we would have one priority, and that is that we would be full of Christ. It's only until then that truly our lives will begin to glorify Him. And that is the question of the hour. Now back to the church of the Thessalonians. It's in one of his opening prayers or this opening prayer that I wanted to just take from this morning to speak to you a little bit on those things that glorify the Lord. In 2 Thessalonians, the first chapter in the 11th verse, we'll read there and then we'll go to the verse 1 in a bit. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 11 says, With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. And you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is he saying here in this very passage? He said, I pray for you, number one, that you would lift up to your calling, to that saved position that the Lord has brought you into. Are we saved this morning? Let me see a show of hands. If not, we're going to have an altar call this morning. And now I know why the Lord would have us open this altar to have people receive Christ. You're going to receive that opportunity this morning. But is anybody saved in this house today? Okay, we have some people that are not. So bless the Lord. We're glad that you're here. But that's the first challenge. He says, are you worthy of that salvation for those of us that are saved? That we might find ourselves worthy of that walk that God has called us into because there's a, there are some and, and there is a way for us to be called into something and live not right and destroy the testimony of salvation. And so he prays for the church that the Lord would count you worthy. The second thing he said that he would fulfill all his pleasure of goodness in you. That is that God was... Just bless on your life on a daily basis and cause you to rejoice in him. Thirdly, he says that he would fulfill his work of faith deep inside of you. 
that you might be able to walk tall, confident in who he is in your life. And finally, he says, and that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. That was the opening question. Would you close your eyes just for a moment and say, Jesus, speak to my heart and may my life glorify you till I see you face to face. Amen. It is here in this prayer request again that I want to spend time. And the question of the hour this morning is Christ being glorified in our lives. Is Christ being revealed in your life on a daily basis? Can people see that you indeed are a child of God created to bring him glory and reveal his glory to all of those around us? Listen to what the Bible says about you and I in 1 Peter, the second chapter, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. This is the Lord telling us, I've called you out from that place you were in to shine the light of my glory to everyone around you. I believe that one of the biggest reasons today why we're spiraling down on this grease tube of immorality, if you will, taking some responsibility as the church, sometimes it's because we don't reveal God's glory to everyone around. I believe that this world is filled with people who want to know the real thing. Can you say amen? There are people, we could speak, speak ill about the world and how perverse it is in the other, but I believe that in this world even now, because you see a desire for God, regardless of how atheistic a person may be, there is an innate desire to know peace. There is an innate desire to know that supernatural world. This is why we live in such a mystic time. It's people searching for something that is beyond them. It's something innate that God has created inside every human. Everyone has a desire to know something. They may not know its name. They may not know where to find it. They may not know uh, where to go to. But they know they need it. And so in this world today, I truly believe with all of my heart that what they are searching for now that they know that there is a Savior because there's enough churches around this nation and around the world. Uh, we have literature that I'm telling you, mountains of literature. We have radio stations, television shows, and everything. It's hard to believe that there is someone in this nation that does not know about Jesus. Someone has not heard the name of Jesus. And so you wonder, why aren't they running to the Lord? Maybe it's because they've never seen his glory revealed. You see, our major employment and commission here on earth as we wait for the coming of the Lord is to bring him glory and reveal his glory. That's what draws people. We have... A church full of programs, a church full of 
lights and beautiful things, venues that are incredible and incredibly decorated. Have you seen that temple that they're building here on Trenton? Good Lord. The courthouse doesn't look that pretty. I'm telling you, I don't I think the White House looks that nice. See how beautiful it is? I still don't know who it belongs to, but I'll tell you what, my wife and I and whoever I, I am with when I pass out. Incredible. But see, people aren't looking for buildings. They may go for a little while and be dazzled by how beautiful it is, but what people want today, I believe with all my heart, is the glory of the Lord. They want to see the glory. And for this, you and I have been brought to this time and place. Does your life reveal his glory? You may ask this morning, well, what is it that brings glory to the Lord that he might be pleased with us? In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, we'll read from there now this morning, and we'll see a few things, just three things this morning, and I'll finish. The Bible teaches us that bring glory to God. And if we embrace those things, we emulate those things, those things will begin to reveal the very presence and the reality of God in our lives. Let's read 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, and Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace be to you from God, the Father and the Lord of Jesus Christ. Everyone says amen. Verse 3, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love every one of you has for each other <coughs> is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance. This is him letting them have it. Nothing but hugs and kisses. You guys are awesome. We rejoice when we think about the church at Thessalonica. It's a great honor to be talking to you this morning, Paul is saying, because we give thanks for you. You are the cream of the crop. You make us proud. You make us shine as apostles as we go and testify about you. You bring great joy to us. Why? Because we see your faith growing more and more, and the love of everyone has for each other is increasing Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you are counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. I asked a question that we just read a little while. And I asked you, are we living worthy of the call? Well, Paul is revealing to the church. He said, all this is evidence that you are worthy. These things that I've just mentioned are, are evidence that you indeed are worthy of salvation, that God did not make a mistake in choosing you. 
to wake you up from your sinful slumber and call you into his marvelous light. How many know that God doesn't make any mistakes? He doesn't make any mistakes. He didn't make a mistake getting you saved or bringing you to church today to listen to this message. He didn't make a mistake loving on you and encouraging you and showing you that there is someone that is higher than I. And these things that the apostle mentions says, and this is proof of it. No mistake when it came to God picking you guys. You guys are so awesome. You're counted worthy of the kingdom of God. So he's basically saying what you're doing is proving that the Lord was right in calling you. So what are these things that we just go back a little bit that he mentions? And let's talk about those things Maybe we need help in those areas, and we need to pray that God would enhance these things, particular things that he mentions, just three things. The first thing he speaks about that qualify us, that reveal that God truly didn't make a mistake in getting us saved, is that our faith is growing daily. Ever-increasing faith, more and more. Can I ask you a question? Can we all ask ourselves this question. Do I have more faith than I did last year? Do I have more faith than when I got saved? I can remember when I got saved, I promise you, you couldn't find a bucket big enough to hold all the faith I had in my heart. Full of faith, on fire for God, knowing that I had just found the Lord and the Lord had found me. I felt relieved of all the ungodly living I had lived before he came and found me. And I was full of faith that if God could save me, he could save anybody. But now it's been 36, 38 years or so that I've been saved. And I must ask myself, do I have more faith? Or is it still the same? Or maybe because I'm used to being saved all these years, somehow faith is on the back burner and it's, it's not really something I think about. I just learn how to move along in life, trusting and believing at this level and this is where I'm at. Do you have more faith today than you did yesterday? It was Charles E. Spurgeon who said that if you found yourself in the same place today as you were yesterday, you've backslidden. If you found yourself in the same place today that you were yesterday, then you're backslidden. Because the life of a Christian is from glory to glory. Pressing forward every day. Embracing more of Jesus on a daily basis. Learning more about him, to trust him, to embrace him, to love him. To know that every day we need more room in our heart because we're packed in with the presence and the glory of the Lord. Full of faith in his name. But what happens to us. Sometimes it seems to become stagnant sometimes. 
Even though we have scripture that tells us, as Proverbs 4 and 18 says, the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn shining ever brighter till the full of day. In 1 Corinthians 13 and 9, Paul writes again, he says, For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, that is, you're pressing towards something better. The imperfect disappears. What you were yesterday begins to fade into the woodwork. Now you're a new person, gleaming and glowing and growing in the Lord. He said, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, what does that typify? Maturity. I put away childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. We shall then see face to face. Now we know in part and then we shall fully even as I am fully known. What is he saying? Today, even today, as you look at your life and you see that you are moving forward, it's still a faded picture of what you're going to be tomorrow. When you look at your life today, and as good as it may look, and you're saying, I am embracing faith. I am loving on Jesus. I am trusting the Lord still because you are constantly growing in the Lord. This today is a faded picture of what you will be tomorrow in the Lord. Isn't that awesome, ladies and gentlemen? I believe that that's the premise by which one of that man that wrote that song, he's still working on me. He was thinking about that. See, because today, is the least faith you'll have because tomorrow you'll have more. Today is the most immature you'll be in your walk with God because tomorrow you're going to grow and you're going to be better in the Lord. Hallelujah. This is what brought praises to the church. Paul said, I love what you're doing because what I see is that none of you are immature anymore when I started this church with you guys. You guys didn't know a thing, but you loved God. And now I come back to visit on my secondary journey. And what do I see? I see maturing Christians. Turn around and tell your neighbor, grow up. <laughs> Some of us can't still learn to throw out the trash. Grow up. That's what Paul is saying and giving him praise for. He said, I'm happy that you're growing up. You see, there is an illness or an anomaly in the lives of humans at times that when they don't grow up, they stay small. And there's a name for them, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's because they didn't develop physically and they stay. They stay small in stature. And I'm wondering, hello, you want me to get that? <laughs> but I'm wondering if the Lord would simply walk into this place today, would he see grown-up men and women? Oh, he send us all to children's church. You see, because the children have their proper place, but they're growing. 
And the day is coming that they're going to leave Children's Church and come to the main sanctuary and play with the big boys. Because we're growing in the Lord. We need to grow in the Lord. And this is the praise that Paul had for that church. He said, man, you guys are glorifying God. I can see you guys glorifying God. Because I see you guys growing in faith. See, people, I believe that today, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we need to understand the importance of faith. It's important to have faith. Can I give you a few things that you'll never get if you don't have faith? Or you'll never be able to do? Quickly, I, I know time is passing. But did you know that without faith, you cannot please God? It's in the Bible. It should be in your Bible. Hebrews 11, chapter 11, uh, verse 6. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. So I'm wondering how many days during the week we live our lives bringing no pleasure to God because of our lack of faith. You can't please Him, the Bible says. I'm just the herald here. I'm the messenger. Secondly, you cannot receive a thing from God. That's scary. Because all of us have needs. Amen? Oh, I have needs. I need a total healing in my body. And that's important to me. But I understand that unless I have faith in God, I'll never get that. And some of us here, we need to understand that there are, I know that there are things in your life that you're praying for. You may be praying for your marriage. You may be praying for your children. You may be praying for your finances. You may be praying for your business. You may be praying for this or the other important things for your body, for the emotional state you're in, for anything that you're praying for. But unless you have faith, you cannot expect to receive anything from God. Again, as they say here in the valley, the lack of good English, don't throw me rocks. Listen to the Bible. James 1, 6 and 7, but when he speaks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. Out of the mouth of God. And I believe that one of the most important things that we all strive for is sanctification. But you can't be sanctified in the Lord unless you have faith. And that's perfectly scripture as well. Acts 26 and 17. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins on a place among those who are sanctified by faith. Unless we have faith in God, God can do a sanctifying work in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I need to be sanctified. Every day of my life, I need God to cleanse me. 
to fix me, to purify me, to continue to work on those jagged edges of my life that are not approved by God, the things in my own flesh. I need him to sanctify me. Can I get a witness in this house? Am I the only one that needs sanctification? But we have to believe. We have to trust. Faith is important to God. And it glorifies God, and it glorifies God in us that we show faith unto the Lord and growing faith. Quickly to mention, you cannot receive heaven unless you have faith. You can't be saved. You can't be healed, restored, baptized in the Holy Spirit, or even receive God's word. If you have no faith in God today and by chance you're sitting in this sanctuary or looking at us over social media and you have no faith in God, I know all you're hearing is Charlie Brown language. You'll never be able to understand it unless you begin to trust in God. His word is life and we receive it in faith. Hallelujah. We receive it in faith. And so, there's an endless list of benefits from God that we receive by faith. But most of all, he is glorified in us. How can we build our faith up? Two simple things, I believe. At least many more in the Bible, but two for the sake of time. Look at what God is doing. Jesus said, if you don't believe me, look at the works that I do. You know what, who you're looking at at this pulpit, ladies and gentlemen? He said, well, I've never seen a miracle. No? I beg to differ. That miracle is speaking to your heart right now. Did you know that in the hospital, before I had my transplant, I died? I died for five minutes. It's recorded and my wife was called to be told that I flatlined. And they did what they could, but it was the miraculous working hand of God that I am here today preaching the gospel. And many of us here in this place didn't have to be here today <laughs> Many of us here in this place didn't have to come and enjoy this service and enjoy this worship and enjoy this fellowship today. You know, you could have not been here, but because of the miraculous work of God. You see, look at what God has done. He is constantly turning sinners to saints. You don't believe his word, then just look at what he is doing. That will encourage you to believe when you see a miracle of God. We've had miracles at this altar. We've had tumors disappear. We had a dead man in the back of the sanctuary one time. We prayed and God gave him life. Was that enough? Not enough for you to believe that he is God? Are you serious? Are you more apt to believe a card reader than what God is doing? More apt to believe what the neighbor says than what God is doing? 
Look at what he is doing, and that will increase your faith. Why the Bible says in Hebrews 12 and 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Look at what he is doing. It's when you look away from what God is doing that all the opposite happens. Your faith begins to die out. You want to increase your faith and start talking about faith and begin to testify and witness. Yesterday when I met that gentleman, friend, all we did is we stood there for 30 minutes. All we were doing was testifying and witnessing to each other. And all we could do was just shake hands, embrace, and every two, three minutes, every time we talked because what we were saying was encouraging to us. When was the last time you took time to testify of what God has done for you? When you do, your faith will increase. Let me continue this morning. The second thing that he speaks about is abounding in love. And I'll be quick with this. Abounding in love. We talk a lot about this from this pulpit. I don't think I have to elaborate too much. But we are called to love each other. We are called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and all our strength. But it also says that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. You know, it's easy to love your friends. But have you ever tried to love someone who's not so lovable? And love is important. May I tell you why quickly? John 13 and 34 says, in this passage, the Bible says, you cannot be God's disciple unless you love people. Not just Christians, but that you love people. If anyone needs to be loved more, it's going to be those that don't believe because they need love. Come on. We can love each other. We are of like faith. We know when to say amen at the same time. Everyone say amen. You see? All of us know how to dance that Christian two-step. All of us know the lyrics to the songs that we sing. It's easy to fall in love with each other. We all live together here. But try loving someone beyond the walls of this church. They are the ones that need to be loved. You cannot be his disciple. John 13 and 34 declares that new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so that you must love one another. By this all men know that you are my disciples. You can't even love God if you don't love people. Did you know that? Pastor, please. Well, don't blame me. Read John 4, verse 20, 1 John 4. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. How can you say you love God, this invisible, wonderful God that we serve, when you cannot love someone you tangibly can feel, touch, and see? Let me finish. All I can say about that particular principle is that next time you see someone you love to hate, just remember that God loves them too. Remember that God wants to save them too. Ever read John 3.16? The Bible says, for God so loved the world. 
And both believers and unbelievers are in this world for which Christ died. Finally, just for a few minutes, I'll tell you. The last thing that he gives them praise for and things that glorify God is a fact that they were patient during tribulation. I think this is a test of faith as well. Your patience reveals how much faith you have. He gave them praises because they were patient during their sufferings. You know, sufferings would really show your colors. When you're going through tough times, that's when you really find out who you really are. According to Miriam's word, and the word patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate daily or delay, rather, trouble and suffering without getting angry or upset. I feel like asking all of you to point your hands at me and pray for me because we need help in that area. All of us get upset, amen? All of us get angry and quick. But the Bible says if we want to glorify God with our lives, we must learn to be patient. Philippians 4 and 7, rather Philippians 4 and 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. All this is the epitome of being patient. As I begin to close this morning, I ask you this question again. Is your life glorifying God? As you look at yourself, just three things. You know, we live in such a, an impatient world. They call it a microwave society. It was a while back, and I mentioned this particular truth. I, I read it. Did you know that supermarkets such as Walmart began because of people's impatience? That was the birth of the supermarket era. Can I explain why? Sam Walton, and this is his story. Obviously, for many, many years ago, he started this little produce store he had to meet the needs of people that would go and purchase things. But those of you who have seen Little House on the Prairie, the young people don't even know what I'm talking about. They don't even know about saving the bell. I don't even know what show they show. But anyway, for us, Little House on the Prairie, you'll have the people, the merchants come in, rather the customers come into the store, and they would stand at the... Uh, the counter and they'd have an individual back there and they'd say well listen we'd like two pounds of flour and a couple of pounds of beans and also some rice and whatever and they'd have to wait for the guy to run back and pour the everything and bring back their bag and put it on top and then charge them and there was a line waiting and everybody's going like come on man kind of like at H-E-B sometimes they only have one cashier and I always, like, I always choose the slowest one, right? If you ever see me in the store, don't follow me to the counter. That's the wrong line to be in. I promise you. My wife and I went to the store yesterday. There were three people at Sam's in my line. And there was about 600 at the other. I saw the one at the end. And by the time I got to that, the last one had, was already walking out. And I'm going like, 
So don't follow me at, a, at the counter store, at the store rather. But you see, they'd wait for this guy to go get the stuff. And people got impatient. They began to complain to the owner. Now, I don't know if it was Sam Walton or not, but they complained to the owner. And finally, the owner said this. Listen, if you're so impatient, go in there and get it yourself, and I'll come and bill you out here. And hence, you have the birth of the stores you have today. People walking in, getting their own stuff, and coming to the counter to pay for it. Impatience. We have a saying here at Rock of Ages, and I want you to remember this, every single one of us. Impatience is the breeding ground for evil deeds. Don't forget that. Impatience is the fertile ground for evil deeds. Ask Abraham, ask David, ask many of the patriarchs in Scripture, and you'll find that it was their impatience that caused them to cross the line from pleasing God and doing things themselves. And when you and I are hurting and going through a struggle, we begin to find out our own answers, proving to God that we have no time to wait for him. Maybe proving to God or showing God that we have more ability than he is. We don't have time to wait for you, God, to fix this. I'm going to fix it myself. You're showing that your time is more important than God's. Even if he set a perfect time for you to receive that answer, he says, you know what? You're too slow. I'm moving. I'm going to fix this on my own. Impatience is the breeding ground, the perfect breeding ground for evil deeds. How many people have made so many mistakes because they were impatient? Young people marrying because they were impatient and they marry someone who is horrible and gives them grief all their life. How many people in this United States are up to the neck in debt because they're impatient? They want to get things. They just got married and they buy a $350,000 home because someone who's married 60 years has that and we need to keep up with the Joneses. Impatience. It's the perfect breeding ground for evil deeds. Don't forget that. But what Paul said to the church, I applaud you because you are patient. And I pray in Jesus' name, ladies and gentlemen, as I, and I close, I pray the Lord would come to applaud us. Because in this house, he sees people that are growing in faith. That could say, I trusted God good a few years ago. I trust God a lot more now. I used to be a person that was indifferent to many, and I used to hold grudges. I carried grudges for 20 years, but now I've learned to love people. I've learned to love people. And I used to be impatient and do things on my own, but now I know that delay does not mean denial. I've learned to wait and present my petitions before the Lord and say, Father, in your time, as I pray for healing over my liver and the pains that I'm going through because of this weather, I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, in your time, but make it quick. <laughs> I cannot lie. I'm standing on holy ground. I've never lied to you from this pulpit. But I do say, Lord, could you just heal me, man? What time you got? <laughs> Can you just make it a little quicker? But we need to be patient with him. Would you stand to your feet with me?
Is your life glorifying God? I've given you three, just three simple things that you can look in your heart this morning and say, yeah, you know, all these things, I've got it down pat. I think the Lord would speak words of blessing to me because that's where I'm at. But maybe you're like me and you're missing a few. You know, we can ask God to help us. There was a man once who asked Jesus, Lord, help me in my faith. Some of us, some of us want to continue trusting in the Lord. But because of hurt, because of pain, because of struggles, because of this betrayal or whatever it is, it's caused us to fall back in our trust for Him. If that's you, let's ask for healing. Let's ask the Lord to just recover you from that so that you can begin to blossom again in your faith with God. Maybe somebody hurt your feelings 10 years ago and you're still carrying that luggage. There's people you will not talk to. Because they crossed you somehow or something went wrong in your relationship this long ago. And it's been years now that you've been holding this grudge. It's time to let it go. You see, no one's in prison but you. No one is in prison but you when it comes to holding grudges and being vindictive over others. Learn to love. And by that, you are fulfilling the greatest commandment the Lord Jesus has given us. If you're struggling today and you're going through a trial in your life today, let us ask God to respond. But let us be patient. For He knows the day and the hour when you're going to receive that promise. You can stand just like Caleb did with Joshua on that day, he said, listen, Joshua, I was 40 years old when Moses sent us out to Kadesh Barnea to scope out the land of Canaan. And we've gone through battle after battle after battle, and I've been patient all this time. Uh, he, God said I was going to get a house, an address, and I was going to get a, uh, an inheritance, and, and here I am now. I'm 80 years old, Joshua. Oh, but make no mistake, he says, I'm still as strong and I'll go to battle once again if I have to in the name of the Lord. But listen, Joshua, I need the answer to my prayer. I need the answer to my promise. I've been patient this long. It's okay to say, Lord, it's time. It's okay to say it's time. We're going to talk about that next week. It's okay to say, Lord, it's time. But in the process, you have to take the attitude of patience and know that it's His time. And say, Lord, do it, but do it. For your servant waits for you. Maybe that's you this morning. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.